0: Afternoon, morning, evening, night. Uh, Whichever part of the day this episode finds you, hope you're having a fine time. Yeah, and we don't want to boast,
1: but we are international at the moment. Mm. So, you know, at equal times, um, somebody could be having breakfast and going to bed.
0: This is episode 28, and normally we'd go, cue the music. But today, we've got a public announcement, and there will be no music. <laughs> Ding dong. What is the public announcement, Chris? There'll be no music. Nope, nope. No. Oh, is that you, not you it? You missed the point. Oh, yeah. yeah. Um, no, the public
1: announcement is, guys, we're doing a workshop. Hmm... Which is going to be amazing. And we wanted to talk to you a little bit about the workshop and some other things. And because we rattle on that much with Wendy, but it's all very useful stuff, um, that we thought we should just get on with it, didn't we?
0: Our workshop is called Master the High Notes. It's kind of a bit self-explanatory, that one.
1: We didn't pick the... it's got a cryptic title.
0: Yeah. Does what it says on the tin. (laughs) Exactly that as well. So we talk about the science... We talk about all of the really exciting stuff like harmonics, informants, and inertance that, you know, every singer will be... um,
1: Scratching their head about. But in truth, they are three words that make singers go like WTF. Well, either
0: that or I was going to go with more, you know... I can't even be bothered with it, isn't it? You know, what what does it mean to me? (laughs) You know, I want to sing a song. Fair enough, I want to sing a song. I don't want to... I didn't study... Physics.
1: Yeah. Yeah. So... Um, but it is... in We will make it really fun and informative so that it, it, in, at the end of the day, if you if you want to nail a high note and you know a little bit about how the voice works from a muscular level and the level of resonance, then you'll be way, way informed, um, or better informed, that is, to make amazing choices for high notes when it comes to the shape of your mouth and the tone of your voice. And really when singers get really well trained, they are making um informed decisions. You know, there are a few out there that are amazingly intuitive and just do it. But a lot of us have to train and a lot of us has to figure this out. But we're fortunate enough to have trained with some of the best people in the world, uh including uh voice scientists like Ingo Titse so that we can bring this kind of content to you guys uh, and it be as effective as possible mm. and get to the root of your issues right away, show you how to sustain it, how easy it can be when you do rely on some scientific principles, but at the end of the day, you just got to get in there, try it and feel it, right? Mm.
0: So here's the thing. The, the workshop is split into three sections and we basically work on the uh, when the understanding of all of the concepts the awareness in as an individual like how much do i need to be aware of this stuff and how can i be more aware and then the practical application and then in the afternoon we actually get stuck in with some singers and show you how it's done so that is our workshop we're in southampton on the 26th of september we're not actually we're in southampton on the 19th of
1: september i like the way you know everything But we're in Southampton, 19th of September, that's the United Kingdom, in case there are any other weird ones out there. Where are we, in the 26th? Uh, The 26th, we're also delivering a lot of this stuff in Cork, in Ireland. Um, But, in any case, get yourself along to thenakedvocalist.com, and on our banner you will see a big banner saying Master the High Notes Workshop, click on that. Get yourself along to the page, book yourself a ticket, and come along. Um, but across the globe, there will be more of these
0: workshops in the next couple of years. We just want to see as many singers as we can hook up with you guys. We get a lot of a lot of messages, even some videos from time to time, and uh, from people, which is really great. But it'd just be awesome to hook up. Is that the right terminology for? I don't know. Are we are we getting sort of romantically involved with the people? You, can, I mean, well, no, I, I've
1: got a girlfriend. So right. I'm not... Does I that mean not... I, well, I I never said...
0: Anyway. The thing is... It isn't all about the high notes though, is it? This is the thing. It isn't all about the high notes. Don't get me wrong, they're quite important to singers. But... We understand that it's only an element. And therefore we need some other advice on... The other aspects of singing. And such. And that's why we've got a great... Um, guest on our podcast today, yeah, and she's also doing some workshops.
1: Oh yes, she is doing some workshops. Hers, uh, if you were to go along to see her at Wendy parr dot Wendy com, uh, and then go to her events page uh, in on the fourth of October, twenty fifteen, she's doing an event called the Artist's Spirit, uh, which is in Liverpool. Uh, Wendy is from New York. You'll find more about her out about her in this podcast. But the artist spirit is uh, is the roadmap from technique to artistry uh, with Wendy Parr. So it is a workshop uh, on how to get the best performance per se, uh, get the best out of your artistry um, with uh, coaching and performance elements in it, which will be amazing. It is. Uh, two workshops uh, across the day which one is three hours and one is four hours Uh, so it's quite a heavy day there's also one in London uh, which is not yet defined but it'll be about the same time so if you're a London person she's running her artists circle event as well which is uh, like a group mentoring system um, which will be amazing
0: if you're a singer and you want to get in there and find more about the business If we don't see you in Southampton at our workshop, we might see you in London. We're going to be there in Liverpool um, on the 4th of October. Um, uh, Yeah, check out on Wendy's website, wendyparr.com. I think Americans, you've missed the boat in terms of Wendy's workshops.
1: Yes, but she does. um, I think she explains in this podcast that she does them regularly in New York and L.A. and Nashville. Um, So keep up with her there anyway. also, just as a little fun thing... Oof. Uh, we got all a bit
0: deep then, didn't we, with the sales pitch? It got crazy. It wasn't sales. This is brilliant stuff, and we just... No, you know,
1: let's let's call it sales. All right? Book your tickets, yeah? Oof. Nakedvocalist.com
0: But you don't have to.
1: <laughs> I mean... <laughs> you do. Otherwise, it's. you'd... You know, whatever. Anyway. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, uh, but a little fun thing that we've got going on is a, a website and an app um, called Quaver K-W-A-V-E-R Quaver.com. Uh, or you can find it on the app store uh, we, we met up with these guys recently they're really cool they're from Malta they're really passionate about this uh, project it's basically an app where you can just sing into it and uh, it has loops and effects and voice doublers reverb All kinds of weird things and you can record sort of short loops into the app Uh, and what it does it goes into a feed um, that's worldwide and people can actually pick up on your loop and they can add to your loop or add to your song um, so that you can sort of weirdly collaborate with people in sort of 10 to 20 second segments. Until there's a feed on one of your recordings of people adding and adding and adding to it. And actually, you can end up with uh, a song, which is really fun. Mm. It's a right laugh. And they're developing it now. So go and check them out. Like I said, Quaver.com or find them on the App Store. I think it's free to download. And then just start having fun. Uh, They asked me to record one on the spot and I got all coy. Mm. I was in the middle of a shopping centre. Yeah, I'm not sure. You know,
0: just wouldn't do it. That's not for me.
1: Everyone's looking at me going, who's this idiot?
0: Download it in your spare time and have a little bash.
1: On your own. Yeah. Private. Um, So yeah, there's that, but we're going to get into the workshop. Uh, Not the workshop, we spoke spoke so much about workshops, it's the only word I can say. What was
0: it about the workshop you wanted people to do?
1: Book tickets for God's sake. Alright? Alright. Stop freeloading on our information. Okay, mate. (laughs) Honestly. Tired aren't I. You I can
0: tell. I am tired.
1: Grumpy pants. Yeah. <laughs> Grumpy
0: pants. Is it time to feed into the work the workshop? Yes, tell them who's on then. Um So yes. So today Wendy Parr. She had she' probably most known for taking a great big world from their first singing lesson over a nine I think nine year span to Grammy Award winners. Um, she's had multiple successes herself. She's an amazing songwriter, and um, on a personal level as well. I mean, we've we've sat in some of her me- group meditations. She's a very calm and peaceful woman, and totally inspiring at the same time. You know, so, so such a lovely woman to be around, and you probably hear that in this in this uh, episode, but. Probably more importantly to people that don't know her, there's a lot of information about how to songwrite, how to get into that world, how to become an artist, how to develop yourself. It's massive and um, this is why it took quite a long time. But lots of information. Please enjoy it and we will catch you on the other side. On the flip.
1: Okay, so we are on Skype with uh, Superstar Coach. Is that how we're referring to these definitely, people now? Definitely. We're, on, we're in the big leagues at the moment, which is what I like. Uh, we're sat here virtually. But I'm just a tiny thing. <laughs> yes. Well, not. it's not just stature. We're talking, uh, well, yeah, stature, basically. <laughs> yeah. The thing is about
0: audio, Wendy, you should know this. No one can see you. So, <laughs> That's, live. That's
2: okay. I think, I'm, I think I'm six feet tall. Yeah.
0: Yeah.
2: <laughs> I'm completely um, shocked when I see a photo.
1: So some people uh, <laughs> listening might recognize your voice, but for those who don't, we are speaking today to Wendy Parr, um, if I can give Wendy an introduction briefly about... Um, so some of this might not be real, because I haven't read it. It's just what I've heard over the years. Uh, <laughs> but you certainly have been in the game since you were quite young. And you started out started out in um, working with Seth, with SLS. Uh, spent quite a few years as a master teacher in that. Um, currently with Vocology in practice on the board, I believe, a council member. Um, But uh, you have an extremely successful studio in New York, um, working with clients like Regina Spector and, um, from what I understand, first lesson to Grammy for uh, A Great Big World. And not only that, you're a Grammy winner yourself, having been part of the writing of um, the title track for the movie Slumdog Millionaire.
2: Yeah, not the not the title track, but a a song on the soundtrack. Is yes,
1: Latticus theme. Or yes, did, yes, that one. Yeah,
2: the romantic ballad in English.
1: So that's a hell of a CV, Wendy.
2: How you on know,
1: earth did you? You know, it's
2: been it's a there? lot of fun.
1: It's, <laughs> I can believe it. Tell it's us a bit a more about your fun. life then. A bit more of the uh, a bit more of the meat and potatoes.
2: <laughs> sure. Well, I was born. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> oh come
1: on. twenty minutes, Wendy. Remember?
2: <laughs> it's 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 funny that way. Sometimes in a session with somebody, they tell me a little bit about yourself, and they start with their musical history. Well, when I was three, and I'm like, yeah. we've, we've got a ways to catch up here. <laughs> what do we want to do today? So, um, uh, history. So, I started performing when I was very young. I, I knew when I was three that I was here to sing or use my voice. Um, I basically pointed at a Streisand record and said, I want to do what she does. And she was, like, my first, I consider her my first voice teacher in that sense. I really emulated and learned from listening to Streisand and would just try to sing higher and longer. And I just really admired her acting and uh, talent. And we do actually have a similar instrument. There's a lot of, in terms of, like, how I think we're physically... Built or timbre and stuff, there's a similarity. Um, so, I started performing when I was eight. I started working as an actor and a singer and dancer. And in my day, it was you were meant to be a triple threat like you were supposed to be. So, I did all three and I was, uh, I did commercials and television and I did corporate events. And I did, you know, I played Annie. And uh, at that time, I was really in the musical theater. So, um, I was, you know, I thought I was moving my way towards Broadway, and then I started writing. I started writing very young. Um, I think I wrote my first song when I was nine, and uh, it wasn't a great song yet, but, it, uh, but I did work with a producer and ended up recording it, and with his collaboration it became a, actually like a stronger song. But um, I think I still have, I'm pretty sure I still have the recording of like, my original you know, like voice memo of that in a cassette getting, recorder. Uh,
1: remixed anytime soon? Yeah.
2: <laughs> and I wrote it on, like, you know, my my personal like Wendy stationery. I ever can see it. I can see the paper. Anyway, so I was always into writing and very much into reading and 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 language. Um, so yeah, made my first recording. I think when I was ten or fourteen, that was being pitched to Motown. And at that time, there were no. There was no youth singing at that time. Like it was, um, you know, Whitney Houston and um, who was big at the time. But there was no, you know, like a few years after that came Tiffany and Debbie Gibson, and you know, there was no since like Jackson Five. There were no kids groups or youth like today. Everyone's looking for a twelve-year-old. But then I was like, what do we do with the fifteen-year-old who can sing? So, but I think everything really led me to. you know, becoming a coach, which I had no idea I was going to do. So I um, went to NYU for acting for a while and thought, why am I in class? I've been working. So I left school and went on the road with a show and then did another show in L.A. And that's when Seth invited me to come teach. I was about t- I was 20. And I said, I don't know how to teach. He said, sure you do. You know what we did for your voice and you can help other singers. Um, and I really had no idea I was going to be a coach. Like, but it makes total sense now because just my character, my personality is to teach. Like if you know, I'm I take spin class, which I really love, and you know, there's someone next to me who's new in class, and their form is totally off. I've you know, I've, I actually like you know, lean over, say something I'm like, "You're gonna injure yourself if you do that." You know, bring your hips back, and so I'm like, "Yeah, it's just you know, it's like written on my forehead." Coach Resource Center. <laughs> <laughs>
0: you're one of those Wendy are you at the gym yeah one yeah. of those
2: people yeah one of those
0: one of those people that just get involved with everything even when, when
2: people even when, are when you're not the, asked
0: on their knees and you go over and say you're not doing it right
2: <laughs> well i not I mean in the, in the on the bike like you know someone's next to me like I don't want like I don't want to see them hurt themselves like they're they're, they're really going to hurt themselves if they stay at that so I just you know, say a little something, something. And and sometimes I follow it with I know you didn't ask me. <laughs> <Sure>. <laughs> yes. Completely uninvited you know, opinion or advice. But you will
1: thank me is what it <laughs> but you is. will thank <laughs> me. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. So your are back
2: and your knees and yeah. You know. Anyway. So uh so yeah, so I was coaching uh in LA like that for about thirteen years and um you know, really just striving to do a great job at it. You know, it, I discovered quite quickly that it's a, it's a big responsibility, you know, to um, to impart things. And, you know, the general dynamic that we all grow up with is, you know, oh, the teacher and the student dynamic is not equal. And I was very young when I started teaching. Um, and I didn't feel like, oh, I know everything, but it I certainly could help somebody. And, and we know that singing is such a personal experience. It's truly like tapping into who you really are. So I recognized, you know, just right away that this was there's a lot of sensitivity to it. It's a very personal journey and um over time just really discovering that pardon me, this is New York and that's a delivery <laughs> or a pickup. Um so I just really discovered that uh my goal and my job is to help artists have a fulfilling career and to have a fulfilling experience as an artist. So, you know, there's the component of, okay, let's get your voice in shape so you can go on tour. Let's get you healthy so you can record your song. Or let's let's do the thing that you can't do. Let's help your, your instrument be able to do what you want to be able to do. But being an artist and having gone through my own process of um, uh, having a period of time where I really hated singing. I, I, it was not fun. I didn't enjoy it. Uh, I stopped auditioning. I stopped performing. And I thought, what's wrong with this picture? This is the thing I'm the most passionate about. This is what I love to do the most is, is use the voice and music. So where did I go off? Like, what, what went wrong? And um, what my philosophy and what I teach today, the artist spirit and the... Um, the monthly event that I have for artists in right now, it's in New York, Nashville, and l a, which is called the Artist Circle, and it's a growth and development um, three hour event once a month. It's artist development. It's a lot of the internal work, but we do it <coughs> among uh, we do it with artists together so they everyone can go through their process together. Um, but it really all my philosophy and the way I coach and teach really came out of or started from that experience of me trying to unwind, like, where to, how would I lose the heart and soul of what I'm doing? And so uh, that's really what I coach and teach, is to help people really get to their authentic self, to stay in the joy, the reason why you started singing, and then and the thing that really keeps you in is the passion and the joy you have for music, um, and to move us away from what gets in the way, which is trying to be perfect, or trying to be good, or trying to be something other than yourself.
0: Yeah, so we've seen you, Wendy, in your workshops in, mm-hmm. in LA and, and that has been quite a fundamental part of, of your workshops has been to find the authenticity, find what it is, find the reasoning for why the, the artist is doing what they're uh, doing mm-hmm. um, and obviously that is clearly important to you as, after what you just said but what would you say to somebody who is, um, who is looking to find that? What, what's the first step they can take into finding that authenticity?
1: Hmm.
2: Well, um, it's a little bit of a fork. Like there's a couple sides to it, right? There's the artistic side and the development side of what they're about and how they want to say what they say in music. And then there's actually the technique of your voice and how you're using the instrument itself uh, or playing the instrument. Well. Actually, let me redefine that. There's the instrument and tuning it up. Like just actually like if you were just going to tune up a guitar and treat it and you go, oh, wow, this guitar is like really in shape to play now, right? And then there's the how do you play it? And we're both. We are physically the instrument itself and the player. So in the process of tuning up the instrument, that's where I start in terms of let's get this instrument in a condition so that you can play it. And what what we do when we do that is, unravel some of the habits that are actually causing stylistic limitations. Unravel some of the habits that are um, coming from like sort of preconceived notions of what the singer thinks like oh, this is a good voice so I should sound like that or this is the singer that I've been emulating and so I actually sound a bit like that. So helping by tuning the instrument itself we already there start to get the, ar- their, uh, the authentic voice. You know right now for example it's really popular for everyone to to sound like Adele, and they don't necessarily know they're doing it, but they do it by, you know, hello, and they, they start playing with all those vowels. And, and so they don't, may, they might not be conscious, but all of a sudden, like, okay, everyone sounds like Adele, and it's because they're copying that style. So if we literally just remove that habit right there, that tendency, oh my gosh, their voice starts to come out. And when your voice starts to come out, your personality comes out. So now we're actually starting to get your character. Um, and it doesn't mean we can't do those fun things, but if we get more towards the core and the center point, then those fun things come more from an organic central character as opposed to an idea, you know, this kind of a left of center. Well,
0: it'd be a tricky question, Wendy, but where does that line fall between... Um like inspiration and the people that we've been inspired by Mm. and our own sound
2: we're all inspired like every day and all the time right like songs you know everything we're constantly getting input um so that you're not going to uh disconnect from that you can't really leave that behind it's part of your fabric right um but the more we find again that center of who the artist is like what do you really sound like you know if someone was if, you were, uh, if I couldn't see you right now, if you were just in the other room and I heard your voice, oh, I know who's here, right? We recognize our friends' voices because we're recognizing their character as well. So we want to recognize that voice when you sing, right, as opposed to like you sound a certain way and then you sing like it's like a different character, right? But if it's coming from you, and, and again, like the heart of you, the center, the, the center point is you. And then, we, like we said, there's stylistic things we can play with. Because really, any artist is being, you're being your whole self, right? But there's usually like three main qualities that an artist highlights about themselves. And that's what gets uh, highlighted and focused and marketed, right? Because we can kind of digest those things. And then other songs or other records as you evolve show other sides of you. But uh, there's sort of this co- this main the, shi- the shiny things will be like three shiny, shiny things. Um, but we also don't want to limit ourselves. For example, when singers like try to sound good, what they actually end up doing is limiting ninety nine point nine percent of their personality because they're only trying to be one little thing. All right. So the minute we stop trying to sound good or hit the note or sound a cer- even a certain way, then we can actually start to get all the character of that person, and then you'll start to find oh this is like this is more of where I'm what I want to put forward in the world. This is more of the highlight of me. Mm-hmm. And truly, it becomes easier to sing, so it's a really easy place to live.
1: Yeah. Um, and uh, when you discover your uh, identity and your true sound without any kind of, with only mild influences and um, uh, no sort of, yeah, problems with your instrument tuning, right. that's, that, that can be where you eventually find your gen- genre, right?
2: Yeah. Cuz sometimes yeah.
1: you might not you might not discover the genre you work best in until you just get rid of all that stuff.
2: Yes. And also just like finding out what you're really passionate about. So, I think of it like a, you know, a bullseye and and you could I can always see when an artist is like not even on the bullseye, like they're not even on the dartboard, right? But when they start to get on it, it's like they're at the beginning of a thread and I'm like, "Oh, we're we're there, like we're moving towards the bullseye now." And, and when you're at the bullseye, like, there's their authenticity, there's their sound, the songs are coming together. I mean, I've, you know, I've seen a great big world get signed at that point. I've seen an artist, like, you know, the, thing, the buzz starts happening because it's, it's obvious, you know. It's so obvious that, like, ah, this is real. This is the, this is the deal right here. Mm. So Lana looking, Del Rey.
1: Looking at the journey of um, uh, one of the guys in a great big world, Mm. Um, he uh, he hadn't really sung much at all before beginning that act. Is that correct? Correct. And um, so f- for you, that journey that you described would have been something similar for him. Yeah. So discovering the... who he is, letting the influences in, and then eventually arriving at a product that was um, good enough to be signed and win awards.
2: Yeah. They. Um, so I, I worked with them for nine years, and six of those were on scholarship. And Ian was so his. Chad, the other gentleman in the group duo, right? So Chad actually gifted, Chad was a student first, and he gifted Ian a voice lesson because he said, you know, this is my friend and I really believe in him. I think I think he's really talented. And Chad championed Ian for a long time. He managed him. They wrote all the songs together, um, and he really championed. He was really behind him. And the first session with Ian, he came in, and I remember him standing here with his backpack on, and he's, he was like, I don't really know why I'm here. I don't sing. I'm a, I'm a songwriter and I play piano. And I said, well, have a seat. Let me let me hear a song. And he played and I cried. <laughs> <laughs> and I said, okay, I know why you're here. And uh, and I'd like to help you. And I could really, you know, spot the talent and the quality that he had. And we just, we needed to work the, the voice. But then also they had a really nice long journey of discovering, you know, who they are and what they're writing about. And how they write well together and uh, at one point um, they switched places actually and who took which harmony part which again that came after years of working on their vocals so that they were in a place where like oh wait a minute actually this is like where my strength is and this is and we blend better in this way so they, when they switched positions right again that's where they oh the magic's happening here. Um,
1: how, many, how many years in was that that they kind of discovered their fark if you like like that's kind of. Like I'm
2: not so good with time in a linear
1: sense. <laughs> um,
2: in the middle,
1: will do. Somewhere
2: in the middle. Like, <laughs> yeah, I mean, I think it was good four or five years.
1: Yeah, isn't that interesting? And what, I do the, think the it great was. The thing about that story is, you know, I, I, did, I wasn't quite aware of um, the time scale. Yeah. Um, but there's two things that jump out at me about nine years. The first one is how many people give up after nine months, right? Is, is one. It,
2: it does take ten years to be an overnight success,
1: isn't it? Yeah. <laughs> and that's the that's the line. That's the rumor. The podcast, uh, you know, uh, title there. But also, yeah. what's it quite encouraging is that, like you said, nowadays um, it is the trend to go with a young star. Right. And in fact, I've heard from lots of people. You know, like if if you're over twenty-three, you kind of forget it for the pop world. Oh,
2: I would never. Well. I mean, I just wouldn't tell anybody that ever because, number one, who who am I or who's anyone to say, like, you will or will not make it? Um, but also, I think a lot of times people think, people look at the five people who are making music or, or on the top five charts and who are on the magazines all the time. You know, you've got Taylor Swift and you have Rihanna and, um, in the States, you know, and you have... Um, Ed Sheeran, and you have, like, Katy Perry, and everyone thinks, like, I'm supposed to be that. But those are, that's, like, the 1% of the 1% of the 1% make that music. And the rest of uh, the world and the rest of, like, working musicians and singers that are making a living are not doing that. And that, and you might find that that's not what you want at all. And, in fact, some of the people at that level discover it's not what they want. You know, because that's a really specific life course choice. There's a lot of things. You, like, well, for every choice, like this is what's required of it, right? You have to be a certain kind of character to say, "Yeah, I'm going to do that." You know, yeah, I'm going to take all my clothes off half the time. You know, that's not for everybody. <laughs> Thank <laughs> it's God. A, it's a <laughs> certainly
1: not for me after the bulking period. I've just. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um,
2: but it really does. It does. It does. I think. It takes more grit than talent to have success. It takes a lot of determination. And a lot of people think, Oh you know, I'm gonna hit win a lottery, I'm gonna I'm a great singer. There's a lot of great talent in the world. There's a lot of great voices. Every human being's physically built to sing. We can all actually sing well. Um, but not everyone's meant to be an artist. And and I think that a lot of people do find out, like, when they start in on it, they're like, Oh wait, this is work. Like, I have to have a lot of discipline at this. I have to yeah, you know, I got This is you're an athlete. This is like being an NBA basketball player. Mm. You've got to work your. You got to work your craft every day. When, and that doesn't always mean the, the voice. That's you know that's the songwriting. That's the. It's all your skills, you know. And at this point, in music, you have to be a business person too. You've got to do your marketing, and you've got to do your social media, and you've got. You have to make your business happen. You know, people aren't just gonna get behind you because you can sing good.
0: When you say, you said then not everyone is supposed to be an artist or made to be an yes. artist, is, yes. it, is there something really definitive there that springs to mind for you? Or is it uh, more along the lines of general, you know, some people get on in life in some things, some people will like things better than others, some people will find their passion, quote unquote? Um, but what is it that made you, what it that makes you say that?
2: Um. So because literally every human being is built to sing. We're a handmade instrument like a guitar. Like we're meant to sing. So everyone is actually meant to sing, to have the experience that singing brings you, which is joy and transcendence. You you move from you sing about, you know, let all your sadness out and you feel better. It, it's a very it's a deep deep meditation. Everyone's actually meant to do that because we we'd have a better happier world if we did. And so I mean that, like, literally every human being is, is meant to sing. But not every human being is meant, or it's not their calling to perform or be on a stage and be that messenger, be that person that takes people on that whole journey of transcendence, right? And, but, but And then there's, again, there's all kinds of artists. There's, there's someone who's going to be working at a local club regularly or playing the cover band, and they, they do kill it, and they do that well. There's someone who's a ridiculous background singer. And that—that that is a skill set. It's amazing. Lisa Fisher, amazing. One of my uh, clients who became a voice teacher, uh, Allie Moss, she's been playing with Ingrid Michelson for years now. And she's she plays guitar and does all the harmonies and she performs with Ingrid. Allie is ridiculous at harmonies and, and just blends beautifully with Ingrid. The that's a great thing that she should be doing. She has solo albums and she writes her own music, but it's a gift to be that person in the band that does that. And, and Ali is like, Oh, it's a wonderful human being. So I know that among the band and the group, like everybody, you know, they call like, they consider her like the mom or the grandma. She's like, you said that she's like a wonderful asset to the whole group on tour. That's part of the job. Like that's actually a huge part of the job. When you're doing a co-write, when you're working uh, with a producer, like, are you a good person to be around? Are you fun to work with? Are you, can you take direction? Are you stubborn as hell? Like, I can guarantee you a great voice will, like, not uh, beat out the fact if you're a jerk. Like, no one will want to work with you.
1: Mm, that's true. So, I think, uh, looking back at the past, you have to have a distinctly massive level of fame to be an idiot and get away with it, don't you?
2: Do you know what I mean? Like, <laughs> yeah. don't get
1: me wrong, I love Prince, right? <laughs> but some, <laughs> sometimes that guy to interview was just an absolute git, wasn't he? And he really? would like just kill people and just be a... But half the time I think he was just doing it for sport and fun because he was well, Yeah, probably. Um, but he was doing it, I guess, at a level where he, he was absolutely enormous and probably could get away with it. But I think nowadays, yeah, you do see that um, a lot of success come from... Uh, people that are easy to work with, especially in those jobs where um, backing vocals, tour vocals, whatever. um, A lot of successes I see with friends and acquaintances come because they knew someone in the band or the MD and the MD's like, I know this girl, I know this guy, and they definitely wouldn't say that if they were an idiot. You know, and the oh, amount of recommendations for those jobs are madness, hence the networking is key, isn't
2: it? Yeah, some some people think, "Oh, how do I get in the business? I don't know anybody." And you don't have to know anybody. Just start being really good at what you do and then meet people. But if, and if you have a good heart and you're nice to be around, you'll start to know people and they'll know you. You know, that was like for me as a coach, I moved to New York. I had a couple clients here, but I really started over after 13 years in Los Angeles. And I came to New York and started from the ground up of building my business here. I got to know people, you know. And then people got to know about me. It's really fun for me. when I get an email or a phone call for, from somebody who said, oh, so-and-so recommended you, and I don't know who so-and-so is. <laughs> like, that's awesome. I don't even know that person in there recommending me. That's so great.
1: separated from the, from the actual recommendation.
2: Yeah, I love that.
1: I, can I pick on something you said earlier? You said something about... Um... I think this is in our conversation just before the call started but it was about as well you know the authenticity in an artist finding out who you are finding that center so it can be true and you'll actually get a more enjoyable experience at that yeah looking at that like I I know I know a handful of singers over the years have said to me that um, they have a high profile singing job maybe you know as a name or even just in theater or whatever but actually they don't enjoy the experience of singing yeah it's almost like they've got this wonderful gift and it's like a curse uh, people like that and being able to sort of rationalize that oh, yeah. viewpoint. yeah point
2: yeah so oh god there's there's so many answers to this because there's so many pieces to it um so number one is often a, a artist will feel like they're getting the praise and people will say how great they are, but they feel kind of fake and disconnected from it, you know, not connected to the experience. And so it's not very fun. And, and that is what I was saying is about finding the joy of back in, in this, in the experience or I was working with Nancy Sinatra. And, you know, one of her songs, she said, Oh gosh, I've been singing this song for over 20 years. I'm so bored of it. I was like, Ooh, let me show let, Let's try some stuff. Like, I think I can help you not be bored of it anymore. <laughs> and so it's actually a, very much about getting present in the song again, about getting connected to the moment. And if I think of my history, like I studied uh, acting, and I was been actress when I was young as well. So I, I took a lot, un- unknowingly, I took a lot of uh, Meisner technique and things that I worked and learned from acting and uh, and use it in the work as a as singer, as an artist, for artists, because it's really about being present. So, for example, a lot of singers sing a song and they're just getting through it. Or they're singing it like the memory in their head of the singer who sang it. Or singing it like the memory of their head of, of how they sing it. So now we're not present. We're just connecting the dots. We're trying to recreate a past experience. Uh, you're painting by numbers. So it's not its not fun. You're, you're not even engaged emotionally. Mm. So very much it's about getting reconnected to the, the song, which is and the song is just a vehicle. It's it's a car to get in and drive. And in, is today feel like uh, I want a Sunday drive relax with the top down? Or is it an aggressive drive today? I'm tired. It's a lazy drive. Like, every ride's different. The car's the same. The song's the same. The melody's the same. The lyrics don't change. The way that song affects you is pretty consistent. But that plus you in the moment brings the song to life. Mm-hmm. As opposed to, I'm in a bad mood. Oh, but this song's happy. I have to pretend to be happy. No, you don't. In fact, please don't, because you will be so disconnected from the song, and I'm not going to even believe you. I won't buy it. But if you invest and inject and animate the song, I I like to say that, you animate the song with what you're really feeling, sing that song angry and frustrated. Let that come out. You won't stay angry for three minutes and 33 seconds if you let it out. Mm-hmm. If you try to ignore it, put it aside to be happy we 're going to get we 're actually going to get that conflict for three minutes and thirty three seconds
0: mm-hmm. what great advice. Advice. Yeah, yeah
2: so if I, a couple ways to a couple ways to reconnect so I really don 't want to point it out with nerves, for example everyone 's nervous and there's a, and the difference between like fear and excitement is very thin line you know adrenaline is adrenaline but for example, when people go to audition or they go to sing and they're nervous, and they go, oh, I'm nervous, I'm nervous, and then they try to not be nervous and do a good job. That's that exact conflict. All we're gonna see is how nervous you are. As opposed to, in those first moments, you express how nervous you are in the song, you let those emotions out, and then you won't be nervous anymore because you expressed it. And then the song can affect you and the moment can affect you, and then you're like, oh, now I feel, I'm feeling, fu- oh, this is fun. And then it's, oh, and this, this lyric of the song makes me feel so tender. And then there's tender. And now your emotions are flowing. Now we're, you're present in the song and be, being affected as opposed to actually spending the entire song trying not to feel what you're feeling.
0: Mm. I mean, that runs it so, so in line with actual anxiety therapy, right?
2: Oh. Yeah, probably. <laughs> yeah,
0: just in, in the fact that you know your emotion, what you're feeling is absolutely okay. It's the way that things are supposed to, supposed to be. Yes. Right. It, yes. Acknowledging them in the right way is, I guess, I guess
1: part of the process.
2: And the thing is, when people sing at home, in their car, in their living room, that's actually what you're doing. You are that's that's the joy of singing. That's what you're actually doing. Is what you're feeling is coming out through the song, and you play with the song, and you mess around with the song, and that's the fun of singing. And all we want to do is take that thing you do in your bedroom or your living room and do that on stage, do that in front of people. We polish it up a little, we hone it in a little, we put a, you know, cute outfit on it. But it's the thing you do in your living room. It's not something else. It's not something bigger or better or, you know, so, more professional. It, it is, it's it's really just that
0: professional. It's that polished. So what are your thoughts on, on this then, Wendy, after what you just said? What about somebody thinking? I get that. I get that. I'm supposed to be authentic, but when I go into when I go on stage because I haven't done it much before, my jaw clamps up. Right. I can't. I feel like I can't breathe. My mouth goes dry, Red. and that really isn't conducive to an environment for me to produce the, the sound that I want to produce. Not at Happened in my bedroom.
2: <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so. So a couple of things about that. So the first is, is, what really causes those nerves? Why does someone get that nervous? What are they focused on?
1: Um, screwing up.
2: Yeah. So they're focused on themselves. Will I be good? Will they like me? Am I going to remember the lyric? Will I hit the note? All the things that actually don't mean anything, number one. We've all seen people fall on stage and we still love them. We've seen people hit, you know, be out of tune and you still love their performance. But the thing about nerves is that you're focusing on you. And your job as the artist is actually to affect your audience. Like, that's your responsibility and job is to serve the audience. So if we put our attention where it's meant to be, it's like, oh, right, I'm here to do a job, and this is how I do my job. Then that will dissipate and be gone. And that's where I was saying that's what the technique is. Like, the technique, the way I teach technique, gives you the tools to stay focused on your job, on your expression, on your connection, on your fun. And the byproduct is you sound great. Absolutely. Um, So, if I know, like, oh, I'm going to do these things, then that's the focus isn't on how am I doing and and do they like me? And hopefully, you know, again, like I said, it's I'm here to help people have a fulfilling experience. Hopefully, in life, we start to recognize that oh, like, it's not my job in life to be liked at all. It's my job to love myself and love my life. And when I do that, people who vibe with me will get along. Mm. But it's not my job to live and live in a way that people like me. You know, I'm sure we've all experienced the fact that we hate ourselves when we do that.
0: <laughs> <laughs> Amazing! That's, that's, that is awesome.
2: Now take that all the way. Like, let's take that way down the spectrum of style and, and musical style and who you are as in your identity and brand. All that's like that's that idea all the way down the line. Is I think of it like an amusement park. There's a water ride and there's a kiddie ride and there's a roller coaster and there's the spinning thing that makes you nauseous, and people show up and they're going to go on the rides that they like. You you got to just do you. What kind of ride am I like? Do I do I like to sing and take people on a journey about beautiful heartache? Like that's that's something that I do. Like I sing about beautiful heartache. So I'm going to share and I like that and I like kind of sexy naughty songs. I so. And, and someone in the audience once said to me, like, oh, you do beautiful heartache. And I'm like, ah, that's, that's actually a very accurate description of, like, a lot of the songs I write. They're, they're sad and they're, they're talking about the pain of life, but they're really beautiful. It's not, oh, what was me? It's, like, through, you go, going through it and finding some beauty in it, going through it and appreciating life through it. So what ride are you? If you are a roller coaster, but you're trying to appeal to everybody or you think you're supposed to be a kiddie ride... People show up and go, I, I didn't get what I expected, or what, this just does not seem right. This, uh, this does, I don't even understand. It doesn't quite make sense. But if you're a roller coaster, be a roller coaster, and people who dig it will show up, and they will be your fans, and they will keep coming back.
1: And it doesn't matter if it's not as popular as the other roller coaster, right?
2: Uh, not at all. But, but the truer you are to you, like if you love what you're doing, and you love your style, and you're being real, the, the percentages of people who dig what you're doing will be higher because it's real because again let's look at the audience there's a whole spectrum people who hate what you're doing people who love love what you're doing people who don't even know you people who don't care and all the stuff in between that spectrum always exists like for every artist think of the most popular artist
1: the internet is what i've found over you know looking looking at many artists over the years the internet now gives the Gives people the ability to say how much they really don't like someone, <laughs> and uh, and it actually, I just think it's it's it broadcasts to artists and singers so much easier now that it can get people like it really bogged down. Those things were always said. It's just you know, yeah.
2: Nobody I mean, I could see the past
1: it or hear it before, but now it's a. Uh, well,
2: in the past, it was all in like the reviews or a yeah. newspaper article, right? It was written by critics, but now everybody's a critic. Mm, yeah. And, and and very much due to the internet and all the voice shows and stuff, the audience has been turned into critics. And really, the audience wants to be a fan, yeah. right? Your audience wants to love you. Please be wonderful. Take, make me feel something. Take me on that ride. I, I, I showed up so you could affect my life. Like, that's what they want. Right. They don't want you to be good. They want to walk away having had a great experience. Yeah.
0: And we're conscious of time here, Wendy, but I, I, I know we want to cover two more things here. One's about songwriting and one is about what you just mentioned there. And it, was actually, come, it actually came from one of your workshops that we saw last year. And mm. I, I mean, I know we both thought it was just really uh, awesome in the fact that you talked about, I guess it was finding, finding the authenticity or finding the motivation when you start out in... Uh, in this world in this artist world and you mentioned something about everything that you're focusing on mm-hmm. is normally the notes going wrong Right. but actually and then, and then you draw it on the board and it was on this other side is actually what what do we do what do we do it for in the first place and right. why aren't we focused on that can, can you just in a nutshell just <laughs> recap exactly what that was because I think it's really valuable sure
2: also, I wanted to add that you were talking about nerves. On the on my website, on the front page of my website, I have a meditation that's a pre-show meditation. And it's something be, that an artist can do daily, before a rehearsal, before a performance. And it, again, it really gets you to focus your energy and get centered and get rid of the things that are distracting you, that window, don't help you.
1: That's with two right. R's. Yep. Yes.
2: Um, so, yeah, that's part of my first uh, session with a client, is really just having a conversation about why you sing and why. what do you love about singing. Like, if you're coming to work with me, you're dedicating yourself to this. Like, you showed up for this class. Like, there's something you want out of it, and, and most people at that point have been at it for a while. So I really just talk about and, and ask questions to find out what they really love about music and singing. And I can tell you that the answers for everyone all over the world are exactly the same. Mm-hmm. And then we have a conversation about what Just gets quick, in the way.
0: when you've got to j- jump in, what? So, yeah. what, two or three of those. What would the two or three of those answers be?
2: I love it. I. It's the best way to express myself. I express myself in a way I can't express otherwise, except through singing.
1: That's that's me.
2: Um. I feel connected to others. Um. So I should like be faster about this. Yeah. Um. A lot of people say I get lost when I sing, but it's really that you get found. (laughs) You're the most deeply connected to yourself Mm. through music. It's
1: more like lost from the normality and into a new place. Yes, yes.
2: Lost from what people call reality, right? Mm. But reality's a a movie itself. And it's not real. What's real is what's inside and what you're truly feeling and connected to. The the connection you have with people is the most real thing. Um, And that's again just connecting to yourself. Um, and what else? Oh, joy. It, it makes you feel free and joyful, that you really experience a state of joy because you transcend your emotions. Like you could, you could have the worst day and sing about that, and then you actually feel better. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So those are, those are the main things. And then we have a discussion about what gets in the way. Like what do you focus on when you sing? What do you worry about what you sing? What, do you, what distracts you? And again, the answers for that are all exactly the same. And the way it makes people feel is all exactly the same. So we're talking about the number one thing is pitch. Right. 99.9% of the time, the thing that people worry about is pitch. Uh, forgetting the words, uh, being boring, uh, not sounding good. And then I talk about what, what's your definition of sounding good and what are all those points. And so some of it's tone. A lot of it has to do with pitch and depending on their you know, vibrato, no vibrato kind of thing. Um, being judged. Like, what does the audience think about me? Or I'm, I'm just afraid of being judged. I'm afraid that they'll think I'm a bad singer. And, and again, I also talk about, like, what an audience wants. Like, here's your joy, and here's why you sing. Now, what's the audience want when they come to see you, right? Because you are here to, to have an audience, right? And so that, that list is the same. And then if, if, any, if anyone has those experiences on stage, if they're off pitch or they think they're boring or they don't sound good, their experience is that they feel bad, they want to quit and give up, And they feel embarrassed and ashamed. And again, it's the same for everybody. And so if we put these two ideas side by side, the reason why people sing is joy and connection, which is a spiritual experience. It's it's your spirit and your soul is having an experience. And the perfection is some idea of, uh, it's a behavior. Oh, this is what I do when I sing. But why I actually sing and when I When I'm home alone, I don't usually do the other doing. I get into the joy, right? But as soon as there's other people, or or it's a job, it's a career. There's this idea of, or you've been to school, and people now there's like get you know hit the note. You got to do that right. Um, So there's joy and there's perfection, and they cancel each other out. And every artist, I'll ask, how do you want to spend your time? How do you want your experience to be singing? And at this point, many people are you know we got the tissues out because. This is number one, a conversation that most people have never had. Um, and two, going, oh my gosh, you, you know, I didn't, I, I didn't realize, or I knew, like this wasn't as fun as it could be. Or I, I know sometimes I'm not having a great time, but, but then I do, and I don't know why. And so we get to look at it and say, this is the why you're not having a good time and what takes you out, and why you want to give up because you cannot be perfect. If you're trying to be perfect, you'll fail every time. So then you think, oh, I'm not really good at this. <laughs> That's not true. Has nothing to do with your talent. You're simply playing the game by a set of rules that you'll fail. But let's play the game back to for joy and expression. You can't fail at expressing yourself. You, we can always have more fun. And as we start to practice that way, including like just how we vocalize our our, our uh, and do our vocal exercises, like instead of approaching them to get them right and be good and like you know be at a certain place at a certain time, like oh I have to, I should be able to hit this note by then. You know, yeah. Well, if we do it by, for having fun and we do it so it is a great experience, that stuff happens easily, actually. It happens very difficultly and, and takes a little difficultly. That's not English, but uh, it's, it's impossible. It's very, very hard. It takes longer when you're trying to be perfect. And then that, that's going to apply to your songwriting as well. How, how can you be vulnerable and express yourself if you think you have to write a good song or a hit song or a clever song? No, we have to go back to, like, let's just express ourselves first. The first thing you want to do, and I call it shitty draft number one, (laughs) which become less and less shitty the more you write. You know, sometimes draft one is the song. But usually it's not. It's three, four, five, you know. Um, Sometimes it's ten, draft ten. Um, But shitty draft number one is literally just getting out what happened. Like, just tell the story literally for what happened and how it makes you feel. And then you'll get clever and put the rhymes in and and be a little more poetic, you know, or come up with that catchy title. But a lot of times artists try to, or, or young songwriters try to be clever, and I'm like, I don't even know what this is about. And it's certainly not moving me yet. But if you actually just tell the story, like, what happened? Well, you know, I, my boyfriend cheated on me. and Well, how'd, that, how'd you know? And then they tell some very specific way that they found out. And you're like, oh, my God, that's the lyric. Like, that's the most interesting thing you just said. Way more than... You broke my heart, right? Like, that doesn't actually mean anything to anybody. But it's the shortcut for getting us to know what happened. Like, it's the, I'm going to say the cliche. Whenever, anytime you write a cliche, something we've all heard, it's the lazy and it's the shortcut way of saying, oh, everybody will understand this if I say it like that. You shattered my heart. You broke my heart. But if you tell the truth, you're going to be vulnerable,
0: Mm
2: -hmm. right? So it's a little scarier, but it's actually way more rewarding and fun.
0: That's so great. I mean, you answered the second question then about how to get into songwriting if you're somebody that doesn't know how to songwrite. And just
2: start writing the truth.
0: (laughs) Right. And do you know what, Wendy? This is why it's so obvious why you're so successful.
2: (laughs) Oh, that's very sweet.
0: Because, you know, uh, the answer to both of those questions really was the understanding of oneself and actually getting down to... uh, what what am I about? What is this about? Because a lot of people would be like, "How do I start singing? What lyrics do I? I don't know how to write lyrics." But actually, that answers all of the questions, doesn't it?
2: Yeah, and, and I've definitely worked with a lot of artists who have never written before, and just a a little encouragement and a tiny bit of guidance, and they're they're writers now. They're f- really fantastic songwriters, and like one artist that I work with, she's you know she has a writing partner now, and they. They, they have a production company, like they, you know, they're licensing songs all the time. And she's a really fantastic composer and pianist. And she said she had a writing partner who did all the lyrics, and, I was, and, I, and it wasn't—they weren't good, like in my opinion, they weren't very good. And I was like, "Why don't you write the whole song? Why don't you write the lyrics?" She said, "Oh, I don't write lyrics. Let, let's give it a shot. Let, let's find out." You know, fast mm-hmm. forward a couple of years, production team licensing songs. She's a full-on writer. I was just take, taking that that risk that to say, well, let me give it a shot.
0: You know? And I see you're so good at facilitating that, that, that in somebody. You really well,
2: are. Oh, thank you. Well, that was, that's the thing uh, Ian says. He said in that first lesson, when I said to him, oh, I know why you're here. And he said, when just kept saying, you're a singer. <clears throat> and he said, throughout the first lesson, she just kept telling me I'm a singer. And by the end of the lesson, I believed her.
1: <laughs> <laughs> like that's awesome. It right there. Um, yeah. You know, as well, you know, looking at, looking at that, um, people who want to get into songwriting and, and artist development. Can you, uh, can you tell us just a, a brief bit about your, um, your artist circle and how it operates?
2: Sure. So I have, I have a bit of a blog on my website, and I'm, I have some more stuff coming out on that. So I write about um, artistry and things that I teach regularly, and that's on the, my blog. And basically I realize, you know, I'm a resource for a lot of people. Oh, sorry, one second. Uh, I'm a resource for a lot of people and I realized that I don't have to be people's only resource and I wanted to help connect people to more people as well as the fact that being an artist is essentially a very, it's a life of solitude. You spend a lot of time on your own doing your own thing, you know, in the lab, you know, writing, you know, two in the morning writing for yourself. Um, So I wanted to help bring a community of people together. So It's a three-hour event once a month. Each month has a different theme, and I'm covering things that I coach one-on-one with people, things that I do, that I've done with A Great Big World, things that I've done with other artists. Uh, There's no singing, there's no performing involved. It's internal artist development work. So sometimes we're watching a TED Talk. Sometimes we're listening to artists that we love. Sometimes I've led people through uh, meditations. and I, a lot of it is I'm asking questions and starting a dialogue, and then the artists have that dialogue and conversation together. Um, sometimes it's making a career plan of, uh, and a trajectory. Okay, well, where do you want to go and how do we get there? And so I'm answering questions, but the artists are really supporting one another through the process and sharing the process. So it's a very vulnerable uh, and intimate experience where people are really getting to know each other, really understanding that they're not the only, you know, weirdo in the, in the world, that actually everyone else in this room is weird in the same kind of way, um, and so there are really strong relationships coming out of it, there's a lot of collaboration coming out of it, uh, people are writing together, performing together, someone auditioned for somebody else's band, um, everybody gets telephone numbers from two people, so they check in once a week, And there's, so there's accountability and there's inspiration, people sharing resources with one another, uh, but it's not a networking event. People, you're not going to show up and just like mingle and like hope to meet someone who could help you in your career. It's it's not that. So it's a little interesting because I I don't quite know how to I'm still working on the how to tell you what it is part because it doesn't exist. Ah, yeah. There really isn't anything like it. Um, so it is though. It's really based on my philosophy and and my you know style of and my proven style of coaching and things that I do one on one with clients and with artists. And just bringing that to a group setting and letting people have the experience together.
1: Awesome, and that's you say in New York, Los Angeles, and Nashville.
2: Right now, I do that in those three cities. Uh,
1: potentially more. And um, can you also uh, let our listeners know how they can reach out to you if they would like to Absol- give you a give you drop you a line after the podcast?
2: I'm on all the interwebs, so I, I'm on Instagram and Twitter and. Facebook and, of course, email, which is wendy at wendy Par P-A-R-R dot com.
1: Excellent.
0: What do you, just very quickly, what do you use Instagram for mainly? Is it photos of food or...
2: <laughs>
0: or, or look at this I idiot actually, on the bike next to
2: me? <laughs> I'm actually an avid photographer. I love taking pictures. Um, I love capturing moments. People aren't aren't are candidly doing things. Um, and, of course, clients and gigs. I go to a lot of music gigs and... Um, Different events. There's, if you scroll f- deeper into my, uh, you know, not recently, I went to the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame induction ceremony. So during the re- entire rehearsal period, I was taking pictures of artists just being themselves and fooling around and talk, chatting and goofing off and then rehearsing. So there's like live video of, of the rehearsal process, which is really fun, you know, Ooh. people really getting just being themselves. Um, um, so okay. a lot of, yeah, a lot of artists, some food, sushi.
1: <laughs> Massive fan. Sushi is
2: usually gorgeous and pretty, so you know, I've got to take a picture.
1: <laughs> yeah, of that. the vibrant salmon colours and the greens. Um, so we uh, we urge everyone to go and follow Wendy, Twitter, Facebook, or get in touch. But thank you so much for the nuggets of of gold that you've delivered us in this podcast. I'm sure it's everyone so will find it so useful. It's my pleasure.
2: It's my pleasure, and it's it it's more than a minute away. But I am writing a book and. Um, I'm almost done with draft number one, shitty draft number one. <laughs>
0: oh, well, wow.
1: of, of an infinite number of shitty drafts.
2: Well, but polished drafts by the by the <laughs> end. But I, I, you know, I say that and, and actually, uh, Dean Pitchford, who's an incredibly talented writer, he wrote Footloose and Fame. He wrote my favorite Whitney Houston song, All the Man That I Need. Oh, lovely. Um, he wrote Carrie. And he actually, uh... When he spoke, I heard him say exactly the same thing. He said he titles his first draft "shitty draft number one." It's like, ah, that's me too. I was like, just because you have to give yourself that permission of like, this doesn't have to be good. It just has to come out first. Unjust.
1: On that subject, real briefly, because we have to we have to get onto another interview. But you know the shitty draft number one. Mm. You know when you sat in a room with someone, ro- co-writing a song you've never written a song before. And you have to let shitty draft number one come out of your mouth in front of that person. Yes. I hate that moment.
2: Okay, well, I'll, let me tell you what I, my least favorite co-writer is. The person who doesn't say anything. Oh. <laughs> so if you, hi. If,
0: hi, you hi guys, you hi, hate nice, Chris, nice that's nice basically what you're saying. No,
2: but what I'm saying is worse than saying like what you think is a terrible idea is not saying anything because you you're just judging it before you say it but if you say it we can ping pong and that idea takes you first of all it could be a great idea just by itself but also it can ping pong us to oh my god look where we went and we got to the whole theme of the song because you said that one thing
0: Mm. and then if you realize it's shit then you can move on but at least you know yeah
2: and And I I do it all the time out of
1: shit then I I guess I'm not destined to be a songwriter
2: (laughs) (laughs) And I'll, just <laughs> well, I'll, say it. I'll throw out an idea, and I'll say, hey, what if we do this, and then the minute I hear it out loud, I'm like, oh, no, scrap that, never mind. But I, I don't know until it's out of my head, yeah. right? Like, you got to bring it out in the world. So, again, <laughs> yeah. it's, it's, and it's, and it's without judgment. It's, it's, it's being without judgment, you know. And that, again, take that further down the line of the spectrum. How do you improvise? How do you, mm. how do you have a new rhythm or a riff on us on stage? it stems from being non-judgmental and taking risks. Yes. So it starts with that first trepid step of, oh my God, I've never done this before, to you're an experienced pro, and you're still doing a bunch of stuff you've never done before. Right. In the moment, on stage, in front of 6,000 people.
1: And then we, get, we give them a bravo for that one. That's right. Absolutely. That's oh, right. thank you.
0: Mm, brilliant.
2: Yeah, singing is, uh, and performing is amazing. It's the one place you will be applauded and paid for being
1: vulnerable <laughs> no one's going to pay you to be in therapy so you might as well go on stage
2: <laughs> <There you> go. <laughs> yeah, so you're paying for that oh i love it um you guys enjoy are the great. rest
1: of your day wendy thanks thank so, so much, much for your time and we look forward to seeing you again in the summer
2: oh thank you i really appreciate doing this
1: off she trots you know she's gone and run off there but she was brilliant wasn't she yeah she was yeah she's so awesome when it comes to confidence and knowing the industry. She's seen it from many different angles. Um, so yeah, any questions you have about that, like, uh, please reach out to her or us on the channels that we've mentioned already. Um, with what we've going on, got going on in future, go and join our mailing list from the website, uh, thenakedvocalist.com. We'd love to have you on board with some of the uh, information that we're pumping out there in the near future. So get on board or leave us a review on iTunes. That'd be nice. Because that would be nice if we get, you know. Don't know. I don't know what we're gonna get from that, but I just think it would probably be good.
0: Haven't <laughs> we looked into the actual benefits of getting reviews? But <laughs> it sounds good. Apparently, you get seen on as with the leading singers podcast in the world. Anyway, I mean. But I
1: think. Don't I'll, bother. I think I'll watch his face who we're having on soon. You know what I mean, him. Oh yeah, Michael. What's his face? He's he's Stelzner. Not Stelzner Jackson Good, Goodrich Oh Goodrich, sorry <laughs> We have Michael Goodrich on in a couple of weeks, don't we? Oh uh, yeah, yep yeah, yeah. And he's basically stealing our thunder at the moment And you know, we invited him on here mm. You know, reaching out to him He's gone and, you know You think a bit of respect Yeah, at least you know No, seriously though in all, br- in His it, one is
0: brilliant In all seriousness, we can just can the episode
1: <laughs> <laughs> So Michael, if you are listening, we're just going to delete it Yeah Start again. Unless you, you know, back off. <laughs> <laughs> but next next time we've got Brad Lazarus. He's brilliant. That podcast is great. Yeah. If you want to get out there
0: as a, as a gigging singer. Yeah, great guy. Really entertaining. So listen, that's us for now. Join the mailing list. Please join our train. We're kicking off again. Um, we had a little break over the summer. Now we're back. We mm. We'll promise we'll be on time this time. We said that about three times before, haven't oh, we? We did, didn't we? Yeah, we better stop saying that, really. Sorry sorry and see you later Bye.